welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we will be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly and hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode. Jordan Kaufman, good morning. How are you? Morning, Jeannie. How are you doing? I am reporting live from Los Angeles, California. I am on a cross-country road trip, and I will be gone for about two months. That's so but, awesome. How's the trip been so far? So far, so good. We're battening down the hatches. We're expecting a hurricane or a tropical storm to come through. So um, it's we've had some hairy moments, I must say. We've definitely had some hairy moments, but we are really loving seeing the beauty of our country. It is absolutely glorious out here. You know, Jeannie, while you're batting down the hatches and, and dealing with some of the inclement weather that you have out there, we're uh, sitting in 78 degrees and sunny here in Ridgewood on uh, on this lovely August day. So uh, we're all able to enjoy our summers in, in our own special way. That's true. Well, today is super exciting for us because our guest is the newly appointed Village of Ridgewood manager, Keith Kazmar. And I am absolutely delighted to have him, as I'm sure you are too. Um, he's on the show today, and I can't wait to learn about him and his role as village manager. And I want to kind of dig into a little bit about, you know, what the role of the village manager is, because some of us really are unfamiliar with that. Uh, but anyway, so Keith already has a deep knowledge of um, municipal government. He served as the Woodland Park mayor and business administrator. He was the Elmwood Park clerk and administrator and the administrator in Parsippany. So he brings a wealth of experience and knowledge to this role. And Mr. Kazmark grew up in Woodland Park and was the youngest councilman elected in the city's history. He was first elected as a college student and ultimately served for 22 years as an official for that borough. And during that time, he was the chairman of the Recreation and Community Relations Committee and the Health and Senior Services Committee and was also the governing body liaison to Passaic Valley Regional High School. From what I'm told, he continues to play an active role in Woodland Park by serving as the Democratic Municipal Chairman and is on their planning board. He's also a dad of two young children, so he's likely involved in many other things too. So we'll dig into that. Um, Mr. Kazmark is a graduate of Syracuse University and holds a master's degree from New York Institute of Technology. He started his post-college life as an educator in Rockland County, New York, and somehow moved his way into the political sphere. So we're going to learn about that. He was also on the state board for the Municipal Clerks Association of New 
Jersey and served with our very own Heather Mylander, who, for those of you who don't know, served as the Ridgewood Village Manager for the last several years, and whose shoes Mr. Kazmark is posed to fill. And they are very big shoes. She's done a remarkable job. Um, and we're happy that Heather is still employed with the village as the clerk. So before I go on anymore, I just want to say welcome, Keith. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you both for having me today. It's certainly going to be a pleasure. Uh, yeah, I hope so. So listen, I'm just going to kick this off right away. I've lived in town for 20 years. And if I've done my numbers correctly, you're the fourth village manager that we've had in that time. And each one of these people who have served in that capacity has a different style and diverse priorities for the village. So I want to know from you, how do you interpret the role of village manager? Well, I think the village manager position in this Faulkner form of government really serves as the chief executive officer of the municipality, whereas the village council serves as the board of directors. And while that's a, a perfect comparison to the private sector, it best describes where the delineation of duties are in this form of government. That's very well said. So what do you consider your top skills and you know, what are you bringing to the table and how will you use them as the village manager? One of the first things that I think is very important is communication. Uh, communication with the residents here in Ridgewood, communication with our business community, which is so vital here in the village. And also communicating with folks who want to participate in town, whether they're appointed to a board or a commission or a committee, or whether they just want to volunteer to help here in the village. I think communicating with them and being able to make sure uh, that we're all moving together in the same direction as much as possible is really important to our collective success. Yeah, I really want to commend you already because I know you have a couple of sites out there on social media and you just kicked that off immediately, like the first day. Am I right? So I look at social media as a huge tool to be able to communicate with the folks that we serve. And when I was mayor in Woodland Park, I really used it as a primary communication tool. Only so many people are willing to sit down in front of their computer or sit on their phone and write an email to a government official. Whereas with social media, there's almost instant interaction. So if they have something on their mind, if there's a concern, if there's a question that they have that I can answer, I want to be able to have that access and that connection uh, to the folks here in Ridgewood. So I think it's a it's a tremendous tool we're trying to put out as much good information about what's happening here in the village as we possibly can. And I will continue to do that moving forward because I think it's an important way to understand what's on people's minds. I agree. And I also heard that you are working on revamping the Village of Ridgewood website. Tell us a little bit more about that. We are. Uh, we had a communications committee that has met uh, since I arrived here about six weeks ago. We met with three or four potential website companies uh, to redesign and, in, in fact, redefine the online presence here in Ridgewood. So we've selected a vendor. I have a proposal on my desk uh, that will be sent to the village council for one of our meetings in September. Uh, we'll be able to contract with that vendor. And we've already put out a call to each of our department directors here in the village to start to look at the content that exists on their current website, what they would like to see enhanced, what they would like to see added. We want to make it as easy for folks to use and have as much information so that they can access it in the middle of the night if they're sitting on their phone or computer uh, so that they're able to best utilize our village website here. In I love that. And, you know, you mentioned before when you were talking about having, you know, instant communication with, with residents, you know, what 
should residents do if we see something like, for example, it's interesting how many DMs I get saying, hey, did you know that that street light is out? <laughs> Mm -hmm. I, I really love that people contact us here at Ridgewood Talks, but, um, you know, what could the average person do to say, hey, look, who, who should they contact when it's things like this? There's a huge pothole or there's a, like I said, a street light out or there, this sidewalk is cracked or how should residents communicate that information to the village? So I will tell you, ideally, it is through email um, and my office is fully accessible. People can email me directly. I probably receive between 100 and 150 emails a day uh, between staff and residents here in the village. And we will facilitate that information out. As a matter of fact, just before I came on the show this morning, I was fielding a jurisdictional issue about poison ivy uh, growing in the pathway between Village Hall and Veterans Field and the high school. And it was determined that is responsibility of PSE&G. It's part of the PSE&G right-of-way. And we were able to send that request out to PSE&G, to their public government relations person, um, to try to address that on behalf of a resident who had a concern about it. So this is what we do, right? We're sort of the hub of being able to push out requests, concerns, issues, questions that folks have to the proper jurisdiction, whether it be within the village, one of our departments, or whether it be you know a public utility like PSENG uh, or the County of Bergen, we're here to to push those requests out to try to get the services that our residents need. And I think that's really important for um, people to understand too that while there might be an issue, it isn't always the responsibility of the village to rectify it. Right? You know, for example, I, I think if I if I'm not mistaken, a lot of our roads in Ridgewood are county roads. Are we the ones that are in charge of repairing those roads? Like, explain that to our listeners how that relationship works. So the more utilized roads, the busier roads in town, roads that transcend the municipality and connect to other municipalities are traditionally county roads, and the county is responsible for the maintenance of those roads. Uh, we obviously have many, many streets in the village here that the uh, that Ridgewood is responsible for maintaining, filling potholes, making sure that the uh, street markings are proper so we can have um, pedestrian safety and things of that nature. This year, um, actually just within the last few weeks, um, Godwin Avenue and Linwood Avenue, which are both county roads, were resurfaced by the county um, at the request of the village. Obviously, both roads were somewhat in disrepair. We had an obligation to fit those roads with ADA handicap ramps, um, which the county then reimburses us for, but we're responsible for that part of the work effort. And then the county came in through their contractor, Tilcon, to resurface those roads. Um, I think that was an important improvement to, for folks here in the village. They're busy roads, they're access ways uh, in and out of town. And um, really proud that we were able to get that done before school starts, because the last thing you wanna be doing is paving roads, especially county roads, during the first two weeks of school. Definitely. And while I love knowing that all the roads are paved, one of the things in the work that I've done with pedestrian bicycle safety, oh gosh, as soon as those potholes are removed and, and there's a clean roadway, then it becomes like a speedway. So is there anything that you guys are putting in place to make sure that people curb their speeds in town? First of all, speeding is probably the largest complaint we receive across the board. And it's not just here in Ridgewood. When I was mayor last year, knocking on residents' doors, hearing what their concerns were, especially after the pandemic, 
speeding was without question the top issue. And I don't even think the second issue was close to that. Uh, but we have had conversations about the fact that with improved roadways and with freshly resurfaced roadways comes the unintended consequence of people speeding. And I've talked to Chief Lyons, who has been uh, a great help to me over the last six weeks. Obviously, he was appointed police chief uh, just a few days before I arrived here. And um, he's been a great help. We've talked to the traffic division um, about making sure that we have proper enforcement coming from our police department. And we've also talked about some other strategies um, right here in front of the water department. Uh, there are the blinking pedestrian signs uh, that are button based. So if a pedestrian is trying to cross the street, they're able to hit the button and the flashing lights appear. Uh, we're looking to do that at other locations in the village to try to improve pedestrian safety. Um, one of the other things that we are working on is the installation of new sidewalks. We had a resident meeting last night with the residents of West Glen Avenue uh, to talk to them about what sidewalk installation would look like and how it would impact their property. Very productive meeting. Um, we now have a good idea of what the residents' vision is for the front of their house, but ultimately the goal is to improve pedestrian safety in that corridor. So for those of you who are listening and who are concerned about the speed of some of the motorists going through town, if you're interested, I have signs that say, keep kids alive, drive 25. And if you want one of those signs for your front yard, please reach out to ridgewoodtalks at gmail.com. And I will make sure that you get one of those signs for your front yard. They're very effective. In fact, that campaign started in Nebraska and it came here to Ridgewood, New Jersey about probably 15 or 16 years ago. And, and New Jersey now is the number one state for that campaign, Keep Kids Alive, Drive 25. So it worked. Y'all want one of those signs? Just reach out to ridgewoodtalks at gmail. Um, so getting back to your priorities, Keith, um, we talk about uh, the resurfacing of roads. We talk about making sure that motorists uh, drive the speed limit. We've got the sidewalk issue, which is terrific. I'm excited about that. Um, I understand that one of the things that you're already working on is the 2024 budget. How is that going? So we already have capital requests uh, put out to our department division heads uh, to understand what their capital requests will be um, for making major improvements here in the village in 2024. Uh, those are due to us next week. We also are, have already put out budget requests for 2024, working with Bob Rooney, our chief financial officer. Uh, we are definitely ahead of the curve as far as budget preparation goes. Um, most municipalities wait till October uh, to start that process for the ensuing year. We've started it early here in Ridgewood. The one thing I will tell you, um, while I don't predict a utopian budget going into 2024, uh, some of the challenges that the Village Council um, and that Heather, my predecessor, experienced this year in preparation of the budget uh, will be abated. And the, the, the two biggest issues that I can call to mind is that over the last two budget years, many municipalities in the state of New Jersey utilized COVID relief funds for tax relief. And while that is an admirable thing to do. I did it myself in Wilden Park um, over the 21 and 22 budget cycles. What we have to realize is that when that money is no longer available, you then have to make up for it or you have to make cuts. And that was some of the tough decision making that happened here this past spring in Ridgewood. Uh, while I wasn't in the job yet, I was sort of observing what was happening here as I was researching and, and studying up for the interview process here. 
it was clearly evident that when you apply $2.6 million to the budget with money coming in from the federal government in 2021 and 2022, that when you don't have that money in 2023, you now have to make up for that for that budget gap. That happened here. In addition, and something that exacerbated the situation, was a 22% increase in state health care costs. Our health benefit plan for all of our employees is run through uh, state health benefits. And with a 22% cost being passed on to the municipalities, just those two issues alone, the lack of aid coming in from the federal government and the increase in health benefit costs, uh, really put the village behind the eight ball. Um, I don't think that's anybody's fault. Both are sort of uncontrollable factors when you're putting your municipal budget together. And then on top of that, you have everything else, right? Your contractual obligations to your employees where there's increases, your increase to utilities, gasoline costs, inflation costs, you know, buying a tire to place on a garbage truck is a lot more expensive than it was three years ago. These are all factors that we have to take in as to, as to how we prepare the budget. What I'm optimistic about is that state health benefits predicts to go up somewhere between seven and 8% this year. While that's not ideal when you have a 2% budget cap, it's certainly better than a 22% increase. In addition to that, we do not have to make up for that lack of aid because that hole has already been filled in 2023. So I believe we'll have some tough decisions to make. In my eyes, a budget is a series of priorities. And we need to sit down with our department division heads and talk about what their priorities are. And we need to list those out um, in order of how they need to be um, addressed. And that's what we'll do, you know, starting after Labor Day through the spring of next year so that we can present the Village Council a reasonable budget when it comes to the taxpayer. Keith, if I can just ask, because as a business owner, I know I look at if I opened a business, you know, 10 years ago, there's been a lot of deflationary aspects to making it less expensive for a new business to start. Mm -hmm. Uh, in today's environment. And is there things that the town, you know, you being a, a relatively young person and, and probably having uh, a little bit of experience and kind of new ways to do things, are there kind of obvious opportunities that maybe a fresh set of eyes comes in and looks at and see some opportunities where we can get better service at lower cost because of some improvements, innovations, things like that in the municipal sector? I think one of the items that we really have to dig into is the opportunity for shared services with neighboring municipalities. Um, Ridgewood and Paramus are obviously, you know, the anchor municipalities in this part of Bergen County. We have a lot of smaller municipalities around us. And, you know, in talking to Mayor Vagianos, one of his priorities, and he he he's so committed to this, he actually brought this up during the interview process for the position of village manager. Um, is to go out and speak to some of the smaller town mayors, business administrators, uh, council members about what their needs are and see if Ridgewood can provide some services at a cost where we would see a revenue stream coming in, uh, but to talk to those neighboring municipalities about what services we can provide them. I do think that that is, is um, something that we're going to really kick off at the beginning of 2024. Um, our styrofoam uh, functionality down at the recycling center is one of those examples where we are going to have in September a shared service agreement that the village council will consider with the village of Garfield uh, to take in their styrofoam uh, stream. So these are the types of things that we need to talk about. My priority is always to find 
new revenues uh, because the more new revenue that we can find, the less pressure we have in added burden on the taxpayer when it comes to their property tax bill. So we're always going to look for that. We just need to make sure that it's the right shared service and it's something that we can deliver on because one thing we don't want to do is get into a situation where we're not providing the service that we agree to uh, to provide another municipality. So we need to assess each one of those on, a, on an individual basis. Um, but where we can provide services to municipalities and help offset the burden on the taxpayer here in Ridgewood, um, I'm all for doing that. What one we talked a little bit about was uh, your role in, in some of these things versus the council's role versus residents' role versus other organizations. Do you see in, in some of those efforts, are there uh, certain obstacles which are you, you foresee as being challenging or does a lot of this kind of fall in a in an easy purview, minds are aligned? You know, what, what are some of the those big obstacles that you see as you pursue that, which seems like an incredible effort of uh, that that's going to really pay benefits. Right. So let me start with this. First of all, my experience with the five village council members has been nothing but outstanding. Um, we communicate on a daily basis. Um, I actually communicate with all five of them, I would venture to say, on a daily basis. They're all assigned to different committees and liaisonships here in the village. Um, so they have meetings, they're talking to those uh, constituency groups, and some of those things come back to me because I manage the day-to-day -day operation here in the village. So when it comes to needing a department or a division to address something, uh, they'll send that to me and I'll facilitate those issues being addressed. I can tell you that there's a very distinct line, at least for me, uh, between managing the day-to-day -day operations, the personnel issues that arise, and what the village council has to do, which is to set vision and to set policy uh, moving forward. So there are some big items that are on the agenda. I mentioned the, the West Glen sidewalk project. Uh, they need to decide how extensive that project is going to be. That's a monetary decision. That decision lies with the village council. Uh, the future of the Shedler property, which is often talked about here in the village. That's a policy decision that needs to be decided by village council. Once that decision is ultimately made, then it'll be my job in the jobs of some of the division directors uh, to move forward and carry out whatever policy and whatever vision is set for the future of that property. So one of the things that has been discussed for many years in uh, the inner circles of the political arena in, in Ridgewood is the, the tax base from the central business district. From the information that we have here, and Jordan, you know, chime in here, um, the information that we have is that there have been landlords that have gone to the tax assessor multiple times since the collapse, the economic collapse in 2008, and they have asked for um, a, a, an abatement in their taxes. So they now are paying in, you know, different numbers are thrown out there, but, you know, it's in some cases, 43% less than what they should be paying um, based on, you know, the activity of the their tenants and so on and so forth. So is there something that can be done about that to help those, uh, to help increase our tax revenue um, from the CBD landlords? So I, I believe what you're talking about is the tax appeal process. And right now, as the current real estate market stands, the tax appeal process is probably as unique as it has been since I've been in municipal government. 
Um, I know we're addressing the, the, the CBD, but on the residential side, you're seeing very few tax appeals come in because the residential real estate market is so hot right now that there are no comparable sales to justify a reduction in assessment on the residential side. That doesn't necessarily hold on the commercial side, because obviously when there's vacancies, there's lack of rents collected. Um, there are sales of comparable buildings uh, that all go into factoring out whether or not a tax appeal is going to be ruled in favor of the municipality or in favor of the commercial landlord. Obviously, you know, the face of commercial districts throughout the country, if not throughout the world, have changed dramatically over the last 15 years. Uh, Amazon, the fact that we can all pick up our phone and access the app and pretty much order whatever we want. Um, and two or three days later, it's going to be brought to our doorstep is a phenomenon that I don't think anybody who owned commercial real estate or operated a commercial business ever saw that as becoming the reality that it is today. So what we need to do is we need to be creative and we need to think about how do we reinvent our downtown area and make it a destination for people to come to. I think the village council this year uh, tried to attract people uh, to the downtown area through the pedestrian plaza. I don't think they expected, one, as many people to be traveling this year. Jeannie, you're a great example of that right now, right? Uh, but I don't think they expected as many people traveling this year. And if you look at the statistics uh, through the airline companies, uh, you'll see that more people have traveled this summer than they have um, in any recent time, even before COVID. So you have that factor. You also had a, a tremendously difficult and challenging series of weather events <laughs> this summer uh, where, you know, we were getting hit with, you know, significant heat, significant thunderstorms at certain parts of the day. It definitely affected the downtown area on the weekends. Um, so I think the council is looking at adjusting some of that, uh, figuring out how to attract people to the downtown area. I think using Van Ness Park um, has become a tool in trying to um, to meet that goal. But we need to think about as a as a community how we're going to reinvent the downtown to make it attractive and there, by therefore increasing the real estate values um, of what have fallen off over the last number of years. I, I think that's really important what you just talked about, Keith. And you mentioned a couple things there that, uh, you know, perked, perked the ears uh, of both Jeannie and I, which our involvement in the central business district and, and being part of a lot of those conversations of how do we uh, create a place that people want to visit, people want to shop, people want to dine. That's a consistent conversation. You talked about two things there. One was this kind of structural change, which we're going through, which is how consumers are buying things, how they're, uh, you know, enjoying their weekends, enjoying their time, and also some cyclical factors there, which can be weather related, as mm -hmm. well as, you know, just general preferences for a summer. People did travel this summer, as you said, the statistics are, are showing that this was one of the highest travel summers in history. So as we look at that, uh, one of the challenges that we sometimes run into, whether it be on an advisory committee basis or on implementation, is how do we distinguish between what's structural, what's something that we can't ignore as we look forward, and what are things that are going to divert our attention in the wrong direction maybe cause us to not let something play out to see what the real impact is 
uh, because there's some cyclical factor in play here. How do you view approaching some of those challenges and how do we get people to stick with a strategy uh, for a little bit longer than a few data points to actually give it a chance to be successful or to you know show us that it's not successful? What, how do you view the balance there? Well, first of all, it goes back to my philosophy about communication, right? There are a lot of interests in the central business district. Um, obviously, the village council has interest in the collective success of the central business district. You have a very active chamber of commerce. We have a very active uh, group with the Ridgewood Guild. Um, I've met with both of those organizations already and talked about how the village can work collaboratively with them. Um, but I think in the long term, I think that a lot of these decisions need to be made by the business owners themselves. And I do think that the discussion that has been had here in Ridgewood about the introduction of a special improvement district is a very important discussion to have. Um, it gives the business owners some autonomy, um, yet collective autonomy, not just the individual business owners, but everyone in the business district. And by paying some sort of assessment, help with the beautification, to help with initiatives, to help with different ways of helping to recruit new businesses to vacant storefronts. And then there's some outside of the box ideas. I mean, just yesterday, and maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse by even sharing this, but I will. Uh, we met with a company who is based out of Italy. And over there in Italy, they have sort of adopted ways in which to use spaces that are underutilized or not utilized within business districts. So for example, if you have an active bank downtown and their conference room is not necessarily utilized at all anymore because just like we are right now, people are using Zoom and Teams and other ways to, to meet and connect and get together. Um, but maybe there's another group that needs to use that conference room. Well, now that could be a revenue stream for the bank by just letting them use space that already exists. And now you're bringing people in who do need to meet in person, who do want to have a gathering space. You're bringing them into our central business district by being able to utilize those types of spaces. So I've tacitly endorsed this company coming in. We really don't play a direct role and function as a municipality and letting them in or not letting them in. But I was really intrigued by the concept. I thought it was a great opportunity for them to go out and talk to our businesses and say, hey, do you have a space within you know, your four walls that we can take this group and bring them there You know, every Monday at three o'clock in the afternoon? Um, and you can see a revenue stream from that. But those are the type of innovative things that we need to start to think about. And listen, we may play a role in from the zoning standpoint in being able to allow folks to do that, allow businesses to do that. Um, but I think that those types of ideas, um, and maybe we have to look to the other side of the world to come up with some of those types of, of concepts. I think that's really important in trying to reinvent this part of our community. Right. And I just want to expand on that just a little bit. Um, actually, it's my friend, Sarah Para that brought that to you. And it is- She was great. And she had my eyes wide open the whole time. Every time she said something, I was like, this is an even better idea than I thought it was when we sat down. Yes. And I, I just want to let our listeners know that this, that initiative- 
um, that took place in various towns throughout Italy, the residual income for that is up into the six figure mark right, or the seven Absolutely. figure mark. Sorry. Um, so it means that if these businesses say, for example, so Facebook has this their headquarters in New York City. Well, there are several people here in Ridgewood that work or in the surrounding areas that work for Facebook. Facebook would pay for that space. Those people would work in that space, but they're coming to our town. They're having breakfast in our town. They're having lunch in our town. They're buying shoes in our town. They're doing, they're getting their prescriptions filled in our town. So the revenue that that brings to our community is just un unbelievable. And so I, I'm very excited about letting Ridgewood be the pilot for that program. I'm super stoked that you had that conversation with her. Another question that I have, and I just, I know this is, we discussed this a little bit earlier about the department heads coming in and, um, um, talking to you about priority items. And I just want to put a little plug in there for the pedestrian tunnel and make sure that that item is part of the budget. A group of us have been working on trying to get that refurbished for some time now. So we're hoping that um, that will be a priority item for the village. It is in desperate need of repair. And also it is a wonderful thoroughfare for, for shoppers to go between the east and the west side. And most importantly, it is a very safe safe place for kids to get to school. That is a great walking area. Um, and so we want to make it safe and appealing for people to go through there. So I'm just going to put a plug in there for the pedestrian tunnel. So, so if I may on that, um, I was, I had the opportunity to go out with um, our municipal engineer. He provided me with a tour of uh, interesting places here in Ridgewood. And one of the areas that we spent a considerable amount of time at was the pedestrian tunnel. Engineering has already been authorized uh, to put out an RFP uh, for the architectural services for that initiative that will go out this fall. I personally love the aspect of including art and artwork in the tunnel. Little, little secret on my part, I was actually an art education major at Syracuse University. So you referenced my teaching up in Rockland County. Um, I actually taught art two years at, in a middle school and one year I taught graphic design at a high school uh, before I went into government full time. So that is still a passion of mine. And I think that that will be one of my first favorite projects Thank uh, you. to work with, to work with yourself and our engineering department um, and our historic architect uh, to, to put that plan uh, and make it become a reality. I'm super excited about that. And by the way, I we have a list of art projects, of public art projects, nine miles long that I can't wait to talk to you about. I think one thing that's that's not on this list that would be really helpful, Keith, to uh, to get your input on, and you mentioned talking to the Chamber of Commerce, you mentioned talking to uh, the Ridgewood Guild. And one of the initiatives that both those organizations have is trying to get a better connection with the residents in Ridgewood. And you also talked a little bit about volunteership and that's something, you know, Jeannie and I are, are constantly highlighting on this podcast about how really not only is, is the municipality uh, responsible for all the great things in Ridgewood, but some of these organizations and the volunteers play a very, very important role. And one of the challenges is, as you look at those volunteers, you look at those people involved in those uh, organizations, you know, it tends to lack some of the younger folks uh, that we really hope to kind of pass the baton to mm -hmm. and see them participate. But when they do come out, they come out with an enormous amount of energy, great ideas and great direction. And so I'm wondering, you know, whether it be in other municipalities or ambitions that you have for this municipality, 
how can we help residents kind of find a better transition mechanism, if you will, to either get their ideas out or to get involved, to play a role, to really help in the community that we have and, and you know, bolster it to be even better? So the first thing I want to say with regard to this, this is my fourth municipality in a, in a similar role. Without question, Ridgewood has the most engagement, the most interest, and the most motivation when it comes to volunteerism, involvement, commitment to the community, and interest on just general interest by residents in getting involved, whether it be in the central business district, whether it be with parks and recreation, whether it's with one of these volunteer committees. The engagement here, from my perspective, having served three other places, is really off the charts. So all types of uh, kudos to the residents of, of Ridgewood uh, for approaching the involvement in the municipality in the way that they do. That being said, I believe that to address the second part of your question, this becomes a cultural shift, a cultural change, where people who live here, the residents of Ridgewood, feel that they have access to their government leaders, to their business leaders in the community, to their volunteer and uh, charitable civic organizations, where they actually feel they have that access. And as village manager, that's one of the cultural things that I want to, um, to launch and then instill for the long term in the community. And I think, you know, Jeannie said it earlier, the, just the simple act of initiating a Facebook page and an Instagram page and a Twitter feed um, that gives direct access to the, to the CEO, for lack of a better term, of the village starts that cultural shift in being able to have access and by having access, eventually you will have buy-in. And I think those are the types of initiatives that even the business community, um, and I'm not here to tell them what to do, but even the business community um, should give, just the more we give access to the folks that we represent and the, the folks that we um, provide services to, whether it be for profit or in the public sector, the more buy-in you're going to have and the more involvement that's going to result. That's right. It, communication, communication, communication. That is the key. And so with that, I'm going to say thank you again for uh, you know lighting up those social media sites and encouraging people to reach out to you. And again, if people want to uh, reach out to you directly, what is the best way to contact you? You mentioned earlier email. So if you can give your email address, your phone number. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, my email address is kkazmark, K-K-A-Z. M-A-R-K at RidgewoodNJ.net. I answer emails all time of the day. From the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I try to be as responsive as possible. And my general rule is I don't want anybody to wait more than 24 hours to receive a response. And by the way, that's something that is a cultural shift that I plan to make with staff here. Um, well, I know that many of our staff members are extremely responsive and get back to folks right away. You know, some departments have a large workload. Um, but one of the things that I've already told all of the department and all of the division directors is that responsiveness is important. And even if you're not giving the resident the answer that they want to have, we need to give them the answer nonetheless. And that is something that is going to be a hallmark of my time here as manager. Um, is that people will get a response to any inquiry or concern that they bring to the forefront. Um, so let me say that. And if I may, too, um, I would love to just share the social media handles out there. Facebook social media handle is Ridgewood Village Manager. Pretty simple and cut and dry. And then on Instagram and Twitter, it's 
Ridgewood underscore manager 07450. So you can find me there. Uh, feel free to uh, to like our page and um, it'll give you full access and we will be in your feed as we announce all the things that are happening here in the village. That is absolutely wonderful. That's everything that we have been wanting for a long time is to be able to have access to the people that make the decisions. So thank you so much for opening that up for us. And again, you know, for improving the website and also, you know, I just, I love having new eyes and ears and experience on um, all of the issues that we have in our town. So I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you're open to hearing from us. And let's, this is, here's to a new era in Ridgewood. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate the opportunity to be here. I would just say, color me impressed, Keith. It's pretty hard for me to believe that uh, after you've had a chance to uh, really settle in and, uh, you know, have the impact that you're hoping to have. It's hard for me to believe that Ridgewood is not going to benefit greatly from your insight, your thoughts, your experience. So we can't wait to see uh, see how things look as we as we go forward. I really appreciate that. And I welcome as much feedback as possible during that process. Thanks again. We'll talk to you again real soon.